I don't want a pickle, just want to ride on my motorcycle. So we're going to jump right into our first segment here, which we call Best Worst Bike in the World This Week. All right, reveal the best bike in the world this week. All right, I've got a good one for you. may take some convincing, though. Best bike this week, 2016 Yamaha WR450F. Okay, now right off the bat here, for this to be the best bike in the world, we're going to assume it's taking supermoto form, right? Oh, no, it can be whatever you want it to be. Okay. Here's the thing. This bike weighs 270 pounds. Mm. If you want to have a second set of wheels with some dirt tires on it, you can put this bike up on a milk crate, and you can swap the tires out, in 20 minutes you could swap the you could swap the tires out in 20 minutes if you had only seen somebody do it before it's insanely easy to do i mean and if you're really skilled you can uh you can just stoppy onto the milk crate this bike is so simple to work on so yeah i would i would contest that it does not have to be supermoto form if you wanted to you could have your supermoto wheels You could put a a smaller rear sprocket on with a few less teeth and, you know, take it up to 95 miles an hour, make it reasonable on the highway, and you could have your normal sprocket for going on dirt. It can be anything you want it to be other than a big heavy cruiser, basically. All right. Now, um, you're more tuned into this world of dirt bikes and and all that sort of stuff what what's the reliability on these things these days oh it's insanely reliable it is as reliable as any other yamaha absolutely has that reliability but even if it does break down there's not a lot you have to look at it's a single cylinder you know when you're doing your maintenance you've got four valves to check you've got one injector one spark plug standard chain drive like it there's just not a lot to look at i mean what it really is is what you would get on something like a royal enfield bullet but making good horsepower revving higher more torque reliable that's what it really is there i mean there's really besides say the coolant pump leaking there, there's really nothing that could break on this bike that wouldn't be immediately apparent. It's, it's really just that simple. Now, now, in only one of these, like so, like you said, you could, you can, you can do your long trips on it. You can commute on it. You can take it out playing in the dirt. Um, you know, what, what do you think it means to be an owner of this bike? I like to say, what bike you're riding says a lot about you. You know. Are you are you in like the Yamaha club on this or are you in you know more of the alternative supermoto club you know what wh- what other riders on the road are going to most quickly identify with you Well if you're riding at supermoto then you're automatically in the supermoto club it doesn't matter what bike what brand if you're riding a supermoto you are in the supermoto club and and supermoto riders don't give the wave to each other. 
they wave at you like five-year-olds. They're just, they'll stand up and wave with both hands like, ah, one of us, yes. That's just how they are. But yeah, I mean, and you can you can do whatever you want to fit into a lot of clubs because you can you can be in you can be the total hooligan, you can be in that kind of motocross club that you know you can ride the trails, and not only that, but you can customize this bike to no end in terms of what wheels you put on it, what plastics you put on it, and by the way. Plastics are insanely cheap for these bikes. You can get any kind of plastics you want, any style you want, and if they don't have in the color you want, you can dye the plastics to the color to the exact color that you want them to be. It's this infinitely customizable thing that can do everything aside from be a big heavy cruiser. All right, now I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, it looks like real-world fuel economy on this is 40 miles per gallon, which is not bad, but what is it, like a 2.2-gallon tank? So, yes. So, so stock tank is 2.1 gallons. Now, here's the thing, though. Most people can get by on a 2-gallon tank. It may be a little annoying, it can be a little bad if you're just going out and riding highways and just always having to be just constantly have like fuel anxiety. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, there are all sorts of aftermarket parts where you can get like a topper that goes onto your fuel tank. It's just an extra bladder of fuel. You could go all out and get a Baja tank and have like four and a half gallons of fuel on it. You can do a lot of things to make that work. And again, that's part of customizing the bike. Now, I would not recommend that you buy anything branded Baja unless you want to pay like $600 for a piece of plastic. Right. But this bike fits it this bike is almost like the um it's basically like Honda Civic customizable. It has that kind of appeal and draw. You can you can do whatever you want with this bike. Okay, now how do the numbers on this match up to other bikes in its category? You know, what's what's the what's the Honda equivalent doing in horsepower and torque? Now, so the the CRF 450, I believe, has slightly lower horsepower. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it tops out at like 57, 56. But the uh, but it also it also has higher torque, and it hits its peak horsepower lower down in the RPMs. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the Honda style. I know the Honda is slightly heavier as well, and it puts out similar numbers. And I think the Honda is also it's a, it's a, the CRF four fifty is about two hundred dollars cheaper as well. Hmm. So why does this one have the fan club that the CRF doesn't? Uh, mainly the reason is because of the YZ450, which is an incredibly popular motocross bike. And it's in the same way that, you know, the R6 is kind of the pedigree um, super, super sport. Super sport. Yeah. 
the YZ450 is the pedigree 450 of its is the pedigree of its own class and there's a big following around it and the WR is basically a YZ450 with a few modifications with with a kickstand added electric start electric start a wide ratio gearbox but for the most part shares you know 80% of components with okay so it, what it really is is it's the real world YZ450 okay hmm yeah yeah again like i'm sold i wasn't like i said i wasn't expecting to sort of agree with this choice this is a bold choice for best bike in the world you know uh, but you know i'm starting to again as i look at these pictures and i read these specs and i consider the price and the mileage and all of that it's it's difficult to not want one to not want i i don't know what i would do with it i'd probably just leave it stock and just tool around on it as it is probably put some sort of like i don't know on-road off-road tires on it which i know are always like horrible but I don't I Well here's I don't think I could bring myself to like constantly swap the wheels out. No, you would only do that if you were really just if you were actually riding trails. But like if you're going on some unmarked roads, actual like public unmarked public roads mm-hmm. that you would think would be a bit squirrely on a normal bike. The way the suspension is set up and how light the bike is and the flex in the frame and everything it's still an incredible bike on those dirt and gravel roads with street tires. It does the job. Okay. I mean, you'll trash your tires if you can't if you do it all the time. But yeah, you could do, you know, 100 miles every set of tires without significantly shortening the lifespan of them. Like it's it's fine. Okay. All right. I th- I think this is a good pick. This is a good pick. I like it. All right. So let's move on to the worst bike in the world this week. I've thought about this again and again and again. And I didn't want to go this route, but I couldn't stop myself. I used to be a big fan of this bike, and I've... Okay, it's the Honda CB350, and I didn't leave the Honda CB350. It left me, all right? (laughs) So if you're not familiar with this bike... This was like the best-selling bike in the world from like 1968 to 1975, essentially. They sold so many of these things, uh, hundreds of thousands of them a year. It was well, let's, nuts. Let's, uh, let's back up for a second. Mm-hmm. In its day, what was the Honda? What was the CB350 meant to be? The CB350 was a smaller, more fuel-efficient, more economical version of the CB750, essentially. Well, some people would argue that's the CB354, but really it was the Honda CB350. The R3 of its time. Yes, yes, exactly. It was It was sort of a gateway drug motorcycle. It was cheap and cheerful transportation, and you know when they were brand new, I think they were fairly reliable, and they had electric start. Again, they were ridiculously cheap. I think they were they sold originally for something like seventeen hundred bucks in nineteen seventy, you know, whatever or sixty, whatever. But they sold an unbelievable crap ton of these things, and they were great. And they had a, a real distinct styling to it. Well, distinct. They, they were very, very UJM, and UJM was very new at the time. 
they it, it's a uh, the 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 CB350 names um misleading it's 325 cc's it's a twin supposedly making 36 horsepower which i highly doubt if you get one it's probably making more like 25 and it's making ridiculously low torque i want to say like 17 foot pounds of torque somewhere in there (laughs) it's not especially light either i want to say they come in around 380 pounds dry for a bike this small it's pretty heavy but again, the, it was these were all like pretty good numbers at the time. The, the The national speed limit was fifty five miles per hour. This thing could do that and a little bit more, so you were just fine. You know, got great mileage. I think they get you know about fifty fifty five miles per gallon now. And of course, you know, in nineteen sixty eight, that was like everything. It's about a three gallon tank. It's a five speed transmission. A really short first gear. It's realistically, you can just you can put around about 55 miles per hour when you've got one. You've got one that's all sorted out. It's a nice little scoot. And I had one for a long time and it never fucking ran right. And this is the reason it's the worst bike in the world round. And you can find them cheap on Craigslist that people get sucked into this idea that they can buy this thing and cafe it out and work on it themselves and do all this stuff. And like, oh, it's just a simple little motor. But they're all so old now, and they've all been abused so badly, you're never going to get it running right, realistically. I know some of you can. Some people will. Some people do. But on average, for a normal person, this is a huge mistake. You're going to drop way too much money into this thing. That you could have just taken all that cash, put it somewhere else, got something that's going to work every time, be safer, be faster, be more fun overall. Even if, like, you know, you, you've got to have a vintage bike. You've got to have this or that. I'm sorry. You're going to have more fun on, you know, a, a Ninja 500. Just go get one. That I mean, even that's sort of a bit of a crapshoot in the reliability, but it's going to be better than the CB350. You're going to be constantly chasing this dragon of getting this thing running, and it's not going to work out well for you. So I do remember, I do remember back, you know, a couple, a few years ago, riding that bike and thinking, this is a blast. But that, this was. Yeah, on the day it worked. Yeah, yeah. it was. And that was after, I think, about 18 months of it not running right. Yeah. <laughs> and then writing it, and then I think about six weeks later, it broke down again. Yeah, it broke down again because the cam chain tensioner is a fucking rubber wheel over a bearing that we put a new old stock one in when we were rebuilding the motor, and in 1,000 miles, the thing ate itself, the bearing cracked in half, dropped into the transmission... A, a, a plug of metal shavings the size of my fucking thumb clogged up the oil system. It overheated and the head cracked and then it started gushing oil out the side just out of nowhere, apparently. I had no warning on any of this because, you know, the valve, the, the, the tap, it's, it's, it's so, the top end on this bike is noisy when it's set up correctly anyway. Not to mention that I never even got all that many, like, miles into it because it was never fucking working right. 
running through batteries, kickstart. The electric starter is useless. It, uh, uh, it kind of harken, it harkens back to a Where's time. the bottle opener? I need a drink. The, <laughs> like, oh, uh, here you go. <laughs> yeah, it kind of harkens back to a time, kind of like in movies from the 70s and 80s, where people were trying, you know, you know, when, when the teenage girl was trying to escape Jason, and she gets into the car, and she turns the key, and the car just doesn't start, because occasionally cars just wouldn't start. Cars yeah. that were deemed in perfect working order, but occasionally just flood, and yeah. you have to sit there for five minutes. If you want to relive that that aspect of the 70s and 80s, like, this is the bike for you. Yeah, if you're a sadistic fuck that hates yourself, get one of these things. Sure. Now, okay, deep, deep down, there is a soft spot for me in this motorcycle. But this cannot be your only bike. This is a disaster if it's the only thing you own. If you have something modern that's fuel-injected, that's, you know... If it's 2010 or newer, and it's just going to work all the time, and you get to ride it whenever the fuck you want, and you're not stuck in the garage because your bike won't work, then go ahead and pick one of these up for you know $1,000 or $200 or whatever you find it for out of someone's barn, and fix it up by all means. It You're going to lose money doing it, but you might have a lot of fun. You might learn a lot of great things. I certainly learned a lot about motorcycles and engines from working on mine, but if this is your only bike, you're just going to be sitting in the garage staring at it, wondering why it won't fucking start a lot more than you're going to be riding it. Be aware, be aware, be warned, you know, and then, you know, a lot of people buy them because they have this, this, this cafe racer dream that they want to live out. And I can't imagine a worse bike to do that with because you're because no, it's the perfect cafe racer (laughs) because you're never going to ride it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair point. And, 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 and heaven forbid you get the Scrambler version, the CL350. You better have a sat phone with you. Right. If you're going any appreciable dif- distance. <laughs> right. Flares, you know, <laughs> like helicopter extraction insurance, right? Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't. I don't think I could talk about it anymore. I'm being traumatized by all the, like, I'll end it with this. When I finally got it running correctly, I sold it. Was it was paw. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> all right, I think it's a good place to end this segment. Let's move on. Okay, coming back in. So, it's no secret that we're huge MotoGP fans, but the world of motorcycles is so large and vast. And recently I've been into these fringe motorcycle sports, as I describe it. It's invariably hilarious what people do outside of the norms of just regular motorcycle racing, right? So I've identified a couple, um, (laughs) like I said, fringe motorcycle sports that, 
the entertainment value on these is just off the charts. And if you've never heard of these or you're not into it, this is stuff that's really worth a look. So I want to start with ice racing. Ice racing is something that was, like a lot of these fringe sports I'll be talking about, was sort of popular back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, really died out, and has had a bit of a resurgence lately. So there's an ice racing league. It's called the XIIIR, which I'm not entirely sure what that stands for, but it's it's unbelievably extreme international ice racing. There we go. Yeah, the X for extreme. Yeah. This is this is very like Mountain Dew guys. Like the, this would pair well. This with, is where Mountain Dew and and Red Bull collide. Exactly. This would pair well as an event with um, monster trucks. This is an indoor arena sport. So, you know, check check your local, you know, arena or in, in your town, whatever that event center is. You know, if you've got like a minor league hockey team in your area, there's a good chance this is going to come through. I think they do about 25 races a year. It's probably mostly centered around the Midwest or the northern part of the country, I'm guessing. I don't know exactly where they do it. So, these guys, I'm not sure on the displacement of the motors, but these bikes weigh 180 pounds and they have 90 horsepower. That is a 1 to 2 power to weight ratio, okay? That's insane, a one to two power. Well, I think a Dodge Hellcat is like a one to seven, right? Or one to five? Thereabouts. Dodge Hellcat's never been accused of being slow. So this is a one to two power ratio, a horsepower to weight ratio on ice. So you're asking yourself, what's really going on here? It's like flat track racing, except it's fucking ice. So just looking up at the schedule here, January 13th, Everett, Washington. January 17th, Peoria, Illinois. Uh, 20th, Portland. I'm having a brain fart. What's Emmy? Uh, is that Maine? Yeah. Maine? That sounds wrong, but I'll trust you. Uh, then St. Louis on the 27th. Danville, Illinois on the February the 16th. Oh, I've played Danville, Illinois with my band. So, kind of north and Midwest-ish. Uh-huh. Kind of in that area. That seems to be the circuit there. Right. So these guys are running these crazy... Uh, it's almost like a like a beefed-up mountain bike frame that they've stuffed this motor into, which gets stupid power for the weight. Oh, it is, man. I'm retired. Um, these bikes don't have any brakes. The There's anywhere, I think, like 1,600 to 2,000 metal studs coming out of the tires to give them traction. And... I think these bikes have seats, but they basically don't use them. So they're sort of like gigantic trials bikes on crack with metal spikes coming out of them, which are really crazy overpowered, going around constantly drifting in a circle, even though they've got these metal spikes. It's strange. Uh, Flat track racing on ice. They do. So the way it works is they do these. um, I think they set four riders off in these heats and they do four laps and then they isolate, you know, all the winners and then they do a six lap race for the end. Exactly. Right. So when you show up to watch this, 
you know, it's just a constant series of races. So, you know, if you, you know, you pick your favorite riders and when the riders you're not interested in watching are up, then you, that's when you go grab a beer. But I believe the idea is it's just a lots and lots and lots of these heats constant. You know, they're really short races, um, but there's a lot of them in a day is the, is the concept. Right. Um, also, one of the reasons these bikes get so much power is they're running nitromethanol. <laughs> uh, I'm going to need an explanation here. <laughs> they're running nitro. I outs like outside of drag racing, I don't know anything else in motorcycles that's running nitro. The noise these things make is unbelievable. <laughs> so it's insane, basically. It's just insane. And you you deserve you, you owe it to yourself to go check this out, is the long and short of it. Okay, so these guys are basically running they're basically going through like a gallon of fuel in like a mile. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's it's kind of like the uh, it's kind of like indie cars running off of like seventy five percent ethanol and getting four miles per gallon. Right. Okay. So so moving on from ice racing, which is completely worth. Well, it. hang and on. Like, there okay. there is one other aspect of this I want to touch on, which okay. is this is kind of this feel for certain certain motorsports and one that a lot of people like to trash on which is nascar mm-hmm. these kind of arena motorsports which is i think this is this is actually kind of you know with when you look at nascar you think it's just a bunch of guys going around in an oval track like there's nothing exciting going on there's no variation it's all the same thing they're just going round and round which is bullshit well there is you know it, there is a fair point there which is if you're just watching it on TV, it's boring compared to watching a proper, like... A road race, like Formula One. Like or... watching Formula One, where it's a unique track, and you've got a camera on every turn, and you've got a chase helicopter, and there's a director giving you every view. That's really exciting. But if you've ever been to a race... Going to a race is more about the atmosphere and being around, you know, being amongst your people and everyone who has the same enthusiasm. Because when you're at the, when you're at a real track like Coda or Indy, but not on the speedway, or you're at Laguna Seca mm-hmm. or or any of those tracks, the reality is, at best, you're gonna see four turns. And the rest of the time, you're going to be watching a projection TV screen and watching what people are watching on TV. That's the reality of it. And not even getting, like, the the full, like, broadcast (laughs) commentary either. Right. Yeah, you're not hearing it, like, on your TV, in your living room, on your surround sound system. You're hearing it off of a PA system. Right. Like, that's that's the quality of the observing experience. But... The reason you go is because you've got this live atmosphere. You're surrounded by all the people who love this sport that, you know, most people will just roll their eyes when you bring up motorcycles for the 11th time. Right. Like, they, they're they just over it. But now you get to be amongst your people. You've got all those days and just talking bikes all the time. This is kind of the perfect arena sport where you get to see all of the action all the time 
you're not going to go on tour or travel a thousand miles to go see one of these shows. But, you know, if it's an hour away and it's one day and you don't really know a lot about the sport, this is like the perfect event to just go for the day, pick your designated driver or get an Uber and just get blind drunk watching this ridiculous sport. Yeah, I think it's really cheap to go see as well. I think tickets are like 20 bucks for this on average, something like that. The The idea is pack a lot of people in, get kids in for free or very, very cheap, and mm-hmm. build a following. So it's a good time to get into it. Um, following that same price model, and again, a, a similar thing, It's not it's not an arena, but another insane, insane fringe motorcycle sport, which delights me to no end this is my favorite motorcycle hill climbing yes now they're in the 60s and they would have in the 50s or even in the 20s i think indian like really pioneered a lot of this with their bikes and even like debuted some bike models and um showed off their performance by doing hill climbs so what it's evolved into now is essentially Let's see. There's all sorts of different classes of bikes. There's op- you can just show up with like whatever you've got because you don't even need to be a professional to do this. You can just well, we, show up we and should, do we it. We should distinguish there. There are AMA Pro Circuit hill climbs, but there's also in many countries just amateur show up with a bike, do the hill climb, drag right. your own bike off the mountainside. Exactly. So. The, we can break down like the bikes and everything, but there's, the reality is there's a bunch of different classes. And so essentially you've got this this big hill, which has some bumps in it. Uh, there's usually not a turn, but sometimes there's even a jump in the early section. There's quite often a dip. And then they just go up this hill, which get they get impossibly steep. So these guys show up with these bikes, which are have extended swing arms, scoop tires, special fenders, and some of them are running singles. Some of them are like, you know, 450 super, um, super cross bikes. Some of them are inline fours. Some Occasionally of you'll see a trike. Yeah, it's sketchy. A lot of this stuff is just like thrown together in people's garages. So they take off and it really seems to be all about just gunning it as hard as you possibly can up this hill with little regard for skill, safety, for yourself or the general public and throw yourself up this hill on this bike invariably they lose control of the bike at a certain point it goes flying into the air it seems to be there's a 30 percent chance the bike will land on top of the rider or land in front of them and then comes crashing down the hill and then hit the rider and then the most wacko of all these guys belay themselves from the side of the hill into the middle of the circuit to try to grab the bike and or rider to stop them from just falling down because they're almost like going vertically, just straight up by the end of these things. The AMA ones are a little bit more tame. They seem to be courses that have been dug out of the side of a hill. And, you know, most of the time you'll get a fair number of guys that get to the top or you'll get some guys that get to the top. In Europe, especially in Belgium, it seems, they just intentionally pick these hills. No one can get up. Oh, yeah. It's designed to be unwinnable. Yeah. You cannot cannot get up on top of the hill. I 
I love watching this, and I've made a point to really not understand how it scored because <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. I, sometimes these guys will like they'll fly off the bike at the top of the hill, and the bike comes crashing down, and they seem super stoked about how well they did. And sometimes they fall off the bike, but the bike ends up super high on the hill and they seem equally stoked. I don't know. The Sometimes is- the bike and the rider just fly off the hill in a crazy direction. My favorite is just when it's clearly the rider's only bike yeah. and the bike flies off in front of him and then the bike is falling down the hill. He must be on like a 65% grade. And he tries to grab the bike because it's going past him. Right. It's, it's never going to work out well. But he's like, no, I can't. I need that. I yeah. have to ride home. Yeah, yeah. The guy probably That's rode it. That's my only transport. The... Oh, it's nuts. It's hilarious. And then you get guys that make it maybe like 20 feet up the hill, you know, and this is going to be like a 200-foot, you know, endeavor. They yeah. come flying off at 20 and the audience goes berserk because yes. <laughs> they failed so good. You, you're showing you're showing up to see a shit show, right? It, it's like um, it's like uh, the Red Bull event in I can't remember where it is where they just ride ridiculous contraptions like off a pier, off a pier into the water, and they're meant to vaguely yeah, it's called the flugen something yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. meant to vaguely be flying machines of some like human powered flying machines of some sort it, it's that but cat- sort but ca- ca- catastrophe is guaranteed yes this is very 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 similar i i absolutely love it i can't stop like anytime i sit down and watch this i can't help but just laugh over and over and over again what you really want to google is Mount Impossible, I think it's called. Uh, is it Mount Impossible or Impossible Mountain? Impossible. Something. I think both will get... Google's got good enough that both will get you to the correct place. Exactly. Watch this and try not to fucking laugh. I don't think you can. I, I, I challenge you. My favorite is the one in Belgium where... Well, it, it's on the uh, Impossible Mountain where um, one of the riders manages to just launch himself clear over the tire wall. Yeah. And the bike goes up the hill still and falls back down. And then a few seconds later, he pops up and raises both arms as if he just accomplished an incredible feat. And the crowd goes insane. Yes. Because that's really what they showed up for. Exactly. I think if every person at that event managed to get to the top of the hill, which would have been an incredible feat of skill. Yeah. It would have they, been boring. They'd all would have been really, really disappointed. Exactly, exactly. All right, so moving on again, uh, the last fringe sport I want to mention isn't as ridiculous as the others, um, at least not, not in a comedy, like just insane sport aspect. But if you're into motorcycle racing in the United States, it's really worth trying to pay some attention to AMA superbike racing. because And it's sad that this is fringe. Right. So, you know, MotoGP is fantastic. World Superbike is okay. It's got some problems. We're not as into it as we are MotoGP, but there's definitely some entertainment value there. There's some rules that they're messing around with that they really need to get sorted out. AMA Superbike, for whatever reason, 
isn't gaining the kind of popularity and steam that it really should be. In Europe, equivalent um, racing leagues are more popular. They still have issues, but superbike racing in America is very accessible. It's very cheap. You should be paying attention. It's a blast to go and see it. If you go see MotoGP in America at Austin, you're also going to an AMA superbike event as well. On Saturday and on, and the last race on Sunday are superbike races, and you should check them out because that is developing talent in America. Oh, no, they race on at the end uh Sunday evening. Right, and they also race on or, Saturday night. Or, sorry, so. Saturday evening is the race. I think after the GP race, they do a superbike race as well. No, they do the they do they do a superbike race. I think yeah, I think like the super sport race is Saturday and the super bike race is Sunday. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, these are incredibly cheap, and because it doesn't have a lot of fanfare, it doesn't have the huge money aspect. It's all very accessible. You know, these aren't super famous riders. There's a good chance you can show up and really be more involved and get closer to the action than you could at a different type of race. But, you know, within the United States, this is the peak of motorcycle racing for just purely an American motorcycle sport. This is the peak, and it really needs to get more attention. Well, I I would say that really the motocross, motocross is more popular in America and the AMA motocross is more popular in America. Fair point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Bike racing, but this should be more popular than than the motocross. It should. I don't know what it is about it, but it may just be the fact that motocross is just less popular everywhere else, and they don't really have the wide open spaces for it. Because you know, you generally have a lot of tra- trails to have that kind of culture around it Mm -hmm. but i i don't know why it is but you know this is the sort of pedigree racing that americans should really be be into especially well i i actually no i'll I'll backtrack there because i would say compared to europe america is equally not as interested in formula one compared to stock car racing okay but this is really something we should be getting into. And considering the popularity of the 600 class and 1 liter sport bikes, th- this is the sport for you. Literally, these right. are those bikes being raced. You know, and now, it's really may... not even that big of a price difference in the bike from what you're riding at this level. The the sponsorship and all of that and the money to go into these bikes it, it it's feasible. That you could spec your bike up to this, which you shouldn't do. That's stupid. But I mean, realistically, this may be like you may be this. Somebody racing superbike will have an R six that's specced up to cost thirty thousand dollars. Right, but it's not the insanity of like a um, a world superbike ninja that costs where the engine costs $40,000 and right. lasts three races. For for less than the price of an H2R, you could you could make yourself one of these bikes or turn your bike into one of these bikes. Right. So, it's very accessible. If you if you're a track day guy especially, 
you should have a huge hard on for this. Yeah, you could have one of these bikes for less than a Porsche Boxster. Yes. Okay, so anyway, yeah. AMA Superbike, watch it. You're cheating yourself. Okay, moving on. So what we're going to talk about now is something that has become one of my favorite things in all of motorcycles. And you might debate that this is a motorcycle, but if you doubt me, you're wrong. You might call this an obsession. (laughs) This is a motorcycle. This is a motorcycle. I have become obsessed recently with the Suzuki Bergman 650 Maxi Scooter. Executive. The executive model specifically. Now, let's unpack this, Swiggy, here. Let's look at some of the specs on this thing. So, what's our length on this? Because I want to give well, people a general let's, idea let's of the size. Up, let's back up a sec. Okay. Because people are going to say, this is a scooter and not a motorcycle. No, it's a motorcycle. It's This is a motor. This this It, 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 it at least blurs the line. For, for sure. So, this is... It's it's not fully a step through motorcycle, but it is definitely a maxi scooter, and it doesn't blur the line between scooter and motorcycle, but between maxi scooter and motorcycle for sure. Well, here's the thing too, it is so well appointed with features that it can't be a scooter. A scooter doesn't have the features that this machine has. <laughs> It just doesn't. It must be a higher class of vehicle than even a maxi scooter. And so, again, I think in the specs, what we're talking about will kind of um, come across here. So, um, so it's a uh, tube steel frame, which, okay, a little bit scooter-esque there. Um, it's got 41 millimeter forks. Um they're they're not inverted, but that would be stupid. Uh, a, uh, preload adjustable shocks in the rear. Let's see here. Um, My favorite features: electric adjustable mirrors. Yeah, within arm's reach. Right. And electric adjustable windscreen. Right. This this thing is a fifteen inch front tire. It's a one twenty seventy. And then a 16714 in the in the rear. This thing weighs to give you an idea of the size. This is well, this is a 29 and a half inch high seat, which um, I guess that's a little bit high, but you know, you're sitting in it. You're not sitting around, you know, you know. Um it's 525 pounds dry weight. It's got a four-gallon gas tank. It's top speed is 110 miles per hour according to mcs or motorcyclespecs.co.za shout out you're doing the lord's work i would also like to point out this is a 640 cc motor twin 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 motor making 56 horsepower and 46 foot pounds of torque in a scooter in a scooter. So this thing has comparable performance to basically the most badass supermoto you can get. 
Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> like, I'm fairly confident you could. Exactly, I'm fairly confident you can wheelie this thing easy. Well, I don't know, 525 pounds, maybe not, but I bet you can wheelie this. Now it's got a CVT transmission, but it's um, it's got a dual clutch. It's got a flappy panel gearbox, so you can sort so, of ride it like a manual. It's a proper dual clutch. It's a dual clutch. Let's see here. So four-stroke twin, four valves per cylinder, 638 cc's. It's 11 to 1 compression. 11.2 on to 1 compression. Liquid-cooled, fuel-injected. That's, that's, that's taken premium. It's taken premium, yeah. So, so here's the thing. It's this scooter... It's this giant-ass scooter, and it looks every bit as pathetic and dorky as you imagine it does. But when you see this thing in person, <laughs> it's gigantic. It is enormous. It is enormous. It's larger than most motorcycles, for sure. But what really blows me away is all the things that are standard on it, on the executive model. So you've got the adjustable windscreen. Heated grips, heated seat, right? Uh, I don't know if it's heated seat. Anyway, this thing is this thing is extreme luxury is the only way. Really, only the um, only only the Goldwing really rivals this in what in in features. Um, ABS comes on this thing. Well, the best way to put this is. To understand uh, where the name Bergman came from. Oh my god, this is such a great story. Yeah, so Suzuki was trying to come up with a name for this bike for the American market. And they hired a, a German advertising company to come up with something. And they said, Suzuki said, well we want something that gives an idea of, you know, an upper class experience without being necessarily the absolute apex and we don't want to use you know a word like you know eagle or number one or apex or premium or pro you know we don't um so they wanted they wanted um premium but not royalty or nobility there we go yeah and they came up with bergman, bergman. <laughs> so for the entire western audience that's what it was called now, this bike has a much cooler name in Japan. It's called the Skywave, which I think is great. There should be... The Skywave is really a great name for almost any motorcycle, really. And especially this one. But Bergman is a little bit offbeat. But everything about this is offbeat. So, you can realistically take this thing across country. It's... You may have to change the tires, but right, right. But you know, you can cruise very comfortably at highway speeds. The wind protection is awesome. The storage is awesome. The comfort features are awesome. The ride is awesome. I, it, everything about it. I doesn't it have like um. I, the the suspension is good. Like everything on this thing, it just glides down the road. It really pushes past what this type of vehicle should be. It's a fucking scooter, but it's not. Here's the thing. It's got a dual clutch. 
Why? <laughs> it's a scoot. Well, here's all you need to know. It's a scooter with dual front disc brakes. Yeah, because it weighs 525 pounds. It's got a 650, and it'll do 110 miles an hour. It needs it. But I can't get over the fact that this is a scooter that warrants dual front disc brakes. <laughs> Why? I do, you know, I don't know who's buying this thing, but God bless them. This is the weirdest, weirdest machine I've come across, and I'm absolutely obsessed with it. You know, if this, again, if this podcast ever gets popular enough, Suzuki, please send us one. I really need to do like 3,000 miles in a week on one of these things and really put it through its paces. I need to try to wheelie it. I can't die until I try to wheelie one of these things. I, I need to see what it's like with a passenger. Well, now you're not going to get one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Suzuki, I will not wheelie it. I'm totally going to wheelie it. And <laughs> I, 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 I want to take this thing to MotoGP and just see people's what, reaction. What I, what, what I really love about this, bike, about this bike is that when we went to Coda last year, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't in the Suzuki tent. It was just outside the Suzuki tent. Yeah, if, if you don't know when you when you go to um, when you go to <coughs> Circuit of the America for MotoGP, it's and the whole infield is like the coolest motorcycle show ever, and every manufacturer is there. You know, even manufacturers not competing in the in the racing, and they've all got their bikes on on display, and it's 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 like a trade show, and it's like any car convention. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the full lineup from every well, manufacturer. It's, it's better than any car convention because it is a convention with no press, no press, and test rides. Right. So this is so this Bergman like and, and these tents are giant. These are giant tents. They have the entire fleet, everything, all their models underneath it. This was just pushed out. He's <laughs> just sitting out side of the tent. Like even Suzuki doesn't really know what this what this vehicle's all about. I you know, to be fair, the uh, the Hayabusa's were outside of the tent as well, but they were at least like outside of the tent in front. This right. was like off to the side, pushed to the back. Like it didn't even have a plaque next to it. Someone just like put a plastic card on the seat with the specs <laughs> on it. <laughs> This thing gets love from nobody, and no one really knows it exists, and that's why I'm obsessed with it. I don't think I could own one, but I could ride one for like one really stupid road trip <laughs> just to do it. It's I would love to have one just for a season. Like if you're the kind of person that loves like the Honda PC800, this is the PC800 that makes sense. This is the ultimate evolution of that style of bike. This is what it's finally come to and makes sense. It turns out nobody wants it, which I really think was a lesson everyone learned back in like 1990 when the PC-800 was put out. But for whatever reason, this category of maxi scooters, you know, started in what, probably like the early 90s and... They were making these like 300 and 400 cc scooters, and you know, Honda made the Silverwing scooter, and 
There was the uh, the 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 Yamaha Majesty, and you know Honda and Yamaha, they they just sort of stopped. But for whatever reason, Suzuki just kept on making this bike and making it bigger until it reached this. And the, you know, there's no other scooter pressing this. To, to evolve into this form. It just happened on its own. Nearly every other bike and every every other class leading bike is that way because there's another bike from another manufacturer that forced it to get specced up to that level, right? The Hayabusa is the Hayabusa because of the Honda Blackbird, right? And, and the Blackbird was the Blackbird because of the ZX1100, there was no reason to make a 650 executive scooter. Yeah. It just happened on its own. There was no maxi scooter arms race. Exactly. <laughs> no, there was no prestige amongst manufacturers to have the most badass scooter on the market. But yet, here it is in front of us for sale. <laughs> still with with abs and and and, and all okay what, so what, what's the msrp on this thing it's like eight grand or something seven no, grand this is gonna blow your mind all right what is it it's eleven thousand it's eleven thousand dollars <laughs> yes okay so i just <coughs> i just did a quick uh search on craigslist okay yeah, what can you, what can you get one for? A used one for Denver Craigslist, cheapest for two thousand seven is twenty two hundred dollars. Okay, how many miles? Does Thirty thousand. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's that's actually really good because that's a bike that's been ridden. Is that the executive and the six fifty? It's not a four hundred or anything. Uh, it's six fifty. I don't know if it's executive. There is an executive because you really do need the executive. It does, you're need, do to, this. it does need to be the executive. So there is a 2012 executive. Okay. With yeah, because we don't want the cheapest price. We want oh, like a reasonable hang price. On a we want to get a good one. This guy. Okay. So it is like less than a third of the MSRP. Okay. And it's only got three thousand miles for a two thousand, so three thousand miles, two thousand twelve. Okay. And it is. I've lost it. Where's the price? Craigslist. Your site sucks. Highlight the price. You can just say Craig. Your site sucks. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. For sure. Uh, forty-seven thousand dollars. Yes. <laughs> okay. 4700 All right. So, well, again, so that's not unreasonable, right? Like you said, less than a third of the MSRP. Well, hang on. We, well, we need to do a quick gut check here. Well, then that's not less than when a third did, of the he, MSRP. When did he post it? So he posted it 12 days ago. And he may have posted it before and deleted. All right. So this guy's going to take 4200 for it. No question. It's He's going to be shocked that anyone shows up in his driveway to look at it. Peter, this is a Suzuki Bergman. We could show up and offer him three grand, yeah. and he'll take 3500 Yeah. Okay? Like, that's... Oh, man. All right. 
if anyone just wants to send us a check for $3,500, we're going to immediately buy one of these things and just hoon it around town and see how much trouble we can get. I mean, how do you get, like, do you think you can even get pulled over on one of these things? Pretty, I don't think you can. I'm pretty sure if you, if there was a cop by the side of the road and he clocked you doing 90 in a 65, he would just think that his uh, yeah that his gun was wasn't his calibrated was, right. Yeah, he, just, he would have just thought his gun was broken. Like, yeah. Just... Now here's a question. Um, I have not seen any one of these that isn't in silver. Do they offer them in any other colors? Because I've not seen another color option. Well, this one's all black. They do a black For one. Sure. Okay, so black and silver might be your color okay. options. So. We're getting deep into fringe territory here, but okay. I need to search Alibaba for, <laughs> for an aftermarket body kit. Yes. <laughs> I hope you does find it one. Exist. I bet it does. So, you know, going back into this thing, so uh, it's twin exhaust, right? Which is just, again, weird to see, like, you know, exhaust coming off a scooter like this, you know, motorcycle style exhaust. Um, you know, you're getting a lot on this thing. You, there's the integrated um, turn signals and mirrors. So, like, the side mirrors are also the turn signals, but in a way that's uh, a little nothing. bit more integrated and complete than you would see on other, you know, mirrors like this. It's really built into the fairing, but it still moves around. You've kind of just got to see it to understand it. it it's very Goldwing-esque in the way that they come out. Like if you think of the 1600s, the 1600 um, Goldwings, it looks a bit like that. The backrests are built into the seats. They do look like super comfortable looking at this picture. The oh shit bars are right there. I um, beg your pardon. <laughs> The what? Jesus bars. The Jesus bars, yeah. Um, yeah, the passenger um, footrests are just integrated into the fairing. They're not like pegs that sit out. They're like proper platforms. So this looks like a fairly pleasant place for a passenger to be, much more so than you would think on the back of, um, I don't know, like... <coughs> You're going to have to get to like a Goldwing or a king and queen Harley seat to come up with a nicer place for a passenger, I think. Well, or like a a nice shadow, like a bigger engine shadow. No, nah, no, nah, this looks better. This looks better. Like and and again, the passenger's ass is you so far so? removed from the engine, like that it's you just got to be just sitting there comfy. Now, you don't have like a full backrest. It's sort of like a half backrest for the passenger. But there's got to be an aftermarket bit to like to raise that up a little bit more if you want. Right. So you, you can't just like fall asleep. But you've got and it doesn't really exist for any purpose other than to have that little bit of pressure that gives you that feeling of security. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what was the zero to 60 on this machine again? <laughs> oh, okay. Because it, it's more than you would. Uh, so it, do, it does a 16-second quarter mile. 
Which again, you're not setting the world on fire with that, but this is a scooter. This is a 525 pound scooter. It shouldn't be able to do that. Like, you know, it's got a little bit of pep, you know, for what it is. Absolutely. Um, What's the zero? I can't find a zero to 60 time on this, but I, we need to know. We need to know. I just found a Ford. Oh, gosh. I mean, for anyone out there that thinks, you know, they've got this, like, weird, eclectic, fetishist-tasted bikes, this is, I mean... Okay, so this is Paul Joe on BergmanUSA.com slash forums. Uh-huh. Claims that he has seen times listed from 5.8 to 7 seconds. What? <laughs> Five point eight on a scooter. Well, this is this post is dated two thousand five, so mm-hmm. I, it can only get better from there. Right. <laughs> I mean, seven seconds even is quick. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's not quick like as compared to a sport bike, which you know they're all hovering around like what two and a half seconds now, but. That's that is quicker. That is but that is five point eight seconds is significantly quicker than any car. Well, not any car, but like ninety nine percent of cars. The, oh my gosh, I can't get over how stupid this bike is. If so, again the 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 Bergman six fifty the the Skywave. Getting back to the styling on this thing because I haven't we haven't really fleshed out but, like. I just need to interject a little bit, okay? Here. Because if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you really just want to understand the Bergman community, <laughs> you need to go to bergmanusa.com. Yeah, you need to, go. and you need to look at the banner image <laughs> of this forum and see the motion blur on. <laughs> the banner. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my god. You, you know, you can't take it away from them because I mean this is legitimately a quick scooter, but <laughs> Oh my god, it is a treat. I, I assure you. Suzuki, send us one. Oh my gosh. I I will be brand loyal for the rest of my life. <laughs> you, I, I, what? So what is what is Suzuki making in their regular motorcycle lineup that rivals this as a like a tour? Like what what is the actual Suzuki touring motorcycle right now? It's it's gonna be it's it's one of those like. Uh, Listeners, I know that they make one. I know I I just can't remember the name of it in my mind. I know what it is. It's you know it's their version of the Vulcan. It's the it's a star. Um, no, the star. Oh, that's is, Yamaha. Uh, no, but it's it's not the star. It's the uh, V star. What do they call it? What do they call it? Oh, okay, whatever. Well, there's anyway, the Boulevard. There we go. The Boulevard. That's their line. So. What is the advantage of the boulevard over this? You know, if you're in the market for 
for one of the for a big tour from Suzuki. You're Suzuki and you're selling these touring machines, right? I think there's a legitimate argument that on paper and even in experience in every way this is probably a much superior touring machine than the Boulevard, but it's just not cool. It's not cool at all. <laughs> Although honestly, I'm kind of in love with the Boulevard. Why well, is that? The smaller engine versions. Okay. Well, the smaller ones are, it's like a 800cc. Well, the smallest one is the S40, which is the Suzuki Savage, which... Not the Savage, the V-Twin. Okay. Uh, making It's like 850ccs, uh-huh. making 60 horsepower with a buttload of torque. Well, all the Vulcans are the same way, too. They all make 60 horsepower from, like, the, the 800 or 900 mm-hmm. now all the way up to, like, the 2-liter the, the one. They just make... They just make their power in different ways. It's a much more modest bike than the Vulcan. Mm-hmm. It's a lot lighter. I mean, it's still heavy. It's still a heavy cruiser, right? But it's significantly lighter than the Vulcan. It's like eight hundred fifty cc. Have you seen the, the Vulcan nine hundred? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, it's it's about the same size as the Vulcan nine hundred. Yeah. But yeah. it's um, it's it's kind of a no nonsense bike. Right. It's it's pretty light. It makes similar horsepower. It, well, it makes similar horsepower to like a Sportster. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably a, makes more. It's got an ass load of torque. Um, it's shaft drive. Nice. And it's just kind of it's just kind of a cheap and cheerful, no nonsense cruiser. Like in terms of what you're getting for your money, it may be the best bang for your buck. Right. Now, okay, but if you're, but my, my thing, what keeps getting me about this scooter is if you're traveling long distances, this might be the best bang for your buck. Cause if you're going to get a motorcycle that has all the things that this has, right? The, the digital displays, you know, the adjustable windscreen, the heated grips and seats, the ABS and all that stuff, Right. And all the storage. To get the equivalent of this in a proper motorcycle, you're spending a lot more than $11,000. Right? And you're not getting anything that's any faster. Right? You're not... It's it's only image is the only thing you're sacrificing. Right? Well, this also ties into... So, like, why not get a used one of these and, like, right. Mad Max it out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, like, you know, for a lot of motorcycles these days, unless you're taking it to the track uh-huh. or you're just recklessly speeding up to like 130 miles an hour on the highway, mm-hmm. if you buy something with more horsepower that doesn't go off road, uh-huh. you're paying a huge premium to get up to speed a little faster on the on-ramp. Yeah. But again, zero to sixty in five point eight seconds. It's not bad. You're not. It's not bad on this thing. Well, it's pretty good. But on top of that, you also get to go wide open throttle at the same time. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and as much as that rush of acceleration feels good, for some reason, that feeling your throttle just hit 
the end of the cable, mm-hmm. just that's just twisting the throttle until it stops, feels so much better than going a little bit faster. Now, doesn't like the new version of the Bergman six hundred and fifty or the Skywave? Um, is it uh, is it still a cable throttle? You think? There is no way that this bike warrants a ride-by-wire throttle. Well, there's a lot of things this bike has that it doesn't warrant. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but it does have different rider rider modes, doesn't it, though? Because it's got the full automatic, and it's got your, your quote, manual mode, because it's got the dual clutch now on the, uh, on the newer model, right? I really think it's only the Yamaha, the latest Yamahas that are really doing the ride-by-wire throttles. Okay, so it's probably still a cable. Yeah. Um, but whatever, you know. So, <laughs> okay, I, I could talk about this bike for years on end. <laughs> Stop! I won't. But let me see, twenty seventeen. Um, I gotta find out if this has rider modes. Because I feel like it does. I feel like I read that it does. And I want to see what else Suzuki has that is... I don't know if it's so premium that it has traction control that you can turn off. (laughs) It probably does not have traction control. But I think it might have like a sport mode. <laughs> no, wait. Why would it have a sport mode if it's CVT? Oh, that's true. Yeah, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just the automatic. But oh my god, the styling on the on the new one is so good. It because they've tried to make it like they're they're really trying to hide the fact that it's a scooter. Like it's it's got this like aggressive stormtrooper look to it on the new model. A scooter is no business looking like this. They need to do a black and white model. It is black and white. What are you talking about? You're not looking at the one I'm looking at? No, uh, I don't think so. Here, on the Suzuki page. Check it. Check it out. <sighs> That's exactly what I want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so what else what else I do they have corrected. I mean, but at eleven thousand dollars, that's that's a ZX six R. Right, more or right, less, yeah. we're in the same zone as a ZX6R. There's no way. There's no way you could justify buying this new. So, how much is the Jixer? Okay, so like five hundred dollars more. This is Jixer six hundred money for every luxury you could possibly want. It's and still a tough out- sell. <laughs> <laughs> It's so hard to figure out who this is for. Like, why is this sold in America? Why? It, again, we, we, we learned that, that more people are buying van vans. I'm sure of it, right? More more people, they're still selling the TU250, right? And more people have to be buying them. More people are buying the S40 Boulevard. Why is this thing even available? I'm glad that it is. I'm glad that the world of of motorcycles in America is so bizarre that this thing exists. But 
I think I've got to end it there. I, I I can't say any more about how much I love this bizarre machine. Well, really, I don't understand how the uh, how the Kawasaki W650 only sold for two years, and this is still available. This thing's been going strong for like a decade. Like, who are buying these? Who's buying these bikes? I don't know, because that's the thing. Like, if you every once in a while, if you go into a Honda like dealership, you know there'll be a Silverwing hanging around. It'll be like four years old, and it's got like three hundred miles on it from weirdos test driving it every once in a while, or probably even just employees fucking around on it. And they eventually get rid of them at a loss, I'm sure. Mm. And like I said, the the weirdest thing about this is that it exists on its own. Every other bike at least it's performance oriented because this is performance oriented exists because there was a counterpart to it that pushed its development. This just dropped out of the sky as it is. I wonder, you know, is this the motor out of the, um, the GSX 650 or not? Who knows? Maybe it might be, but it doesn't really matter because it's in a fucking scooter. Hmm. Tough to say. Anyway, the long and short of it is is that we need like four of them and we need to take the world's dumbest road trip. Absolutely. So if if listeners want to fund that or Suzuki wants to grant our wish, go for it. I think we gotta call our uh, first episode quits now. This has been weird, wonderful, and incredibly stupid. Don't worry, in later episodes, we're not just going to be talking about stupid things like the Bergman 650 scooter. We're going to, we're probably going to try to trash bikes exif. We're going to get into um, motorcycle racing, you know, like MotoGP specifically. Yeah. It's we're the winner. Into... We have nothing to talk about. Exactly. We're going to get into all sorts of controversial and hot button topics, but in the beginning here, we just wanted to keep it light and keep it weird and keep it positive so if you've stumbled upon our first episode we absolutely love you thank you so much don't worry it's going to get a lot better it's going to sound better and we're going to talk about absolutely everything that there is to talk about in motorcycles so with that let's go to our outro i don't want to die just want to ride on my Mm-hmm. Go. All right, that was episode one. Thank you so much.